Fireflies Unite with Kia, your weekly podcast from the perspective of individuals thriving with a mental illness. We are normalizing the conversation about mental health within communities of color to foster mental wellness and empowerment. Welcome to another episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast with me, Kia, where our mission is to bring light into darkness, just like the fireflies, by simply sharing the stories of people of color who live and thrive with the mental illness, and of course, to normalize the mental health conversation. So I want to send a huge thank you to everyone who entered the giveaway. I also want to thank Everyone who tuned in on Friday for the Facebook and Instagram Live, there were quite a few technical difficulties, but, you know, we still had to roll with it. And I wasn't tripping too much because I knew that the live would turn into a podcast episode, but I still want to thank you all for participating. And I also want to send a special thank you to Tony. Tony is the winner from for the $50 spa gift card. And she has been really engaging with me lately on social media and just letting me know how the podcast has impacted her. She tuned into the live. Like, I really do appreciate it when you guys let me know if an episode struck a chord with you or when you send in potential topics that you would like me to talk about. I really like the engagement because then that helped me gauge what y'all like and what y'all don't like that also one helps me get a feel of like the audience of the podcast is really important especially as the podcast starts to grow when I'm seeking out for sponsorships or when people are looking to become a sponsor on the podcast that I have a good that I have a good sense of who my audience is so the engagement really means a lot to me I also Just want to let y'all know that this episode is long. And y'all know I try. A girl be trying to keep it 45 minutes to an hour. But the conversation just got so rich and so good. So what I am going to do is I'm just going to introduce the topic we are speaking about. For this week, we are talking about how to set boundaries with the amazing therapist and life coach and educator Yesenia. She and I connected on social media last year sometime and she was a participant in Save Our Babies and she is just a wealth of knowledge and she's very real about who she is. She's also very real about the issues that people face and it was truly a pleasure speaking with her. So y'all let's get into this interview and I'll come back at the end. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you. <laughs> this is my first podcast. Oh, this is so exciting. Really? Yes. Well, I'm glad you can be on this energy stages. So when I blow up, you can be like, I was on her podcast. Oh, yes. Yeah. <laughs> so you're going to blow up with your blow up. I have no doubt about it. So I thought that it was really important to talk about um, how to set boundaries. What are boundaries? What are the purpose of setting boundaries? 
because a lot of people may hear hear like boundaries but not actually know what they are. Mm-hmm. I thought it was really important to get a therapist to mm-hmm. talk about what they are so you can give like your clinical, you know, expertise. Um, So, yeah, so I think just starting off. So before we jump into the nitty gritty of everything, I wanted us to briefly talk about as far as the technical, the textbook in terms of like these types of boundaries that they have is healthy, rigid and porous. So um, saying healthy boundaries. um, So what is well, first, before we even go to that, what is a boundary or what are boundaries? Yeah, so I think um, first and foremost, I want to emphasize that they are defined by self, right? Because first and foremost, they're defined by self. So it's important for you to know yourself, to know what are limitations, whether um, that is energetically, like physically, um, mentally, emotionally, spiritually. So what are some barriers what is a threshold in which you feel, okay, this is now where I do not want to pass. So those are different forms. Mm-hmm. Um, and so a healthy boundary ideally is where you are not compromising yourself, mm-hmm. where your mental health is not impacted. And how we look at that is where if your ability to function and your mm-hmm. state of your state is being impacted. So it's about how you relate to another person. What are some parameters that you want to set between you and the person? And they are to be defined by you. So, for instance, a healthy boundary for me is, okay, perfect example. Here's a perfect one. So, Monday, so Sunday through Thursday, y'all, I am a grandma. Like, my friends call me grandma because I'm in the bed by 8.30. The reason being is because Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and Thursday, I go to the gym and I go to 5.15 a.m. classes. So if I have to get up earlier, that means I need to go to bed earlier. My phone automatically goes on do not disturb at 9 o'clock. It's not a game. I have it set up on my phone. So if someone happens to text me or call me, the phone won't even ring. I won't hear it. And most people know, they know they'll, it's funny because if they text me after the time they know that I went to sleep, the, the first line will be like, I know you'll probably sleep, but, but I won't see it until the morning. But basically, I'm teaching people how to treat me. Yes, thank you. And that's essentially why I said, you know, boundaries are first and foremost defined by self. Mm-hmm. It's healthy, so you have healthy boundaries, right? Now, if you have a healthy relationship with this person, then they're going to respect that. Mm -hmm. Unhealthy would be if, well, why do you got to be doing that? Or why are you being such a grandma? Or I need you to, or I know, but they're expecting for you to compromise that. Mm -hmm. So you may have some healthy boundaries, but that doesn't mean that you are going to have people in your life that may try to violate them mm-hmm. or cross them because I do feel like violate is a bit of a strong word but depending on the types of boundaries yes they are violating them mm-hmm. so absolutely you have some healthy boundaries around yourself how you relate to people and hopefully you have people in your life that are respecting them right because that's a whole other mm-hmm. issue right right so I'm glad that you said that so when you think of it in terms of 
for boundaries. So why are boundaries important? Because I mentioned that boundaries help people. You set the tone for how someone else treats you. Um, but outside of that, what are the reasons that uh, boundaries are important? I know for for myself, one of the reasons why I set boundaries is so I don't burn out. Right, right. So yeah, there's your mental health, um, your physical state. If you're compromising your sleep, your function is going to be impacted, mm -hmm. right? Um, especially if you have conditions that may require that you are taking extra care of yourself. Mm -hmm. So um, one, that's a reason. Two, like your mind needs that time to just reset. Mm -hmm. And so you need to get your rest. Also, you want to make sure that how you're engaging with people, you're doing it for for the right reasons. If you are relating to somebody and you are in a codependent relationship, or you have some attachment issues and you are not setting boundaries for yourself because you're afraid that this person may not like you, they're not gonna see you as a friend, um, or you're scared to be alone, like that's not sustainable. Mm -hmm. And that's not a relationship that can really flourish. It's grounded in survival. So another reason is that you wanna have healthy, reciprocal, full body relationships. So for your health, uh, cognitive state, mental, um, physical state, right? You're working out. You need to sleep. That's when your muscles are repairing itself. But you also, um, in terms of relationships, there's like people that have had relational trauma. And so maybe an example would be um, their mother was always sick or their mother had a substance abuse issue. So they were the caretaker or they've always been having to take care of people, the go-to person. Mm -hmm. They don't know how to set boundaries for themselves. And so they're not nourishing and pouring into themselves, mm -hmm. but then how they're relating to people also isn't, it's not gonna really be able to thrive. Mm -hmm. I saw this, it made me think about this quote that I saw on Instagram and it said, I set boundaries to respect myself, not to offend you. Yes. And so people who get offended by those boundaries Nine times out of ten, they probably don't even have boundaries for themselves. So that's why they get offended because they're like, wait, what? Like, what do you mean? And so it's like I had to realize that with setting boundaries, the hardest thing for me was saying the word no mm -hmm. to people. Yes. And so I thought I think of a situation that happened with my mom. And so my mom was like, she asked me to. She was, I think, like cleaning up or something or like trying to clear the house. And so I was like, she was like, are you going to come? I'm obviously from New Jersey, but she's like, are you going to drive up and help me with some of these things? And so I was like, well, I can only help you if I was like, I can only help you if the kid's father is not there. People who listen to the podcast, they know uh, my situation when it comes to watching my mom be verbally and physically abused, uh, abused. And so I was like, if you want me to help you, he can't be there. And so my mom's response was like, you you know, no, you just need to put that behind you. And then it's like, no, I'm not. I, it's it's well, for one, I can't put it behind me because you're still you're still together. Right. But the other part of it is, no, this when he when he's around, I feel unsafe. Right. Because of the emotional trauma that I was mental too, it's like when watching my mom be abused, there are so many 
that really impacted my development growing up Absolutely. and impacted a lot. It was part of, it impacted even like the suicide attempt, like depression and anxiety, when we know that studies show that kids who are, who watch or are in domestic violence households, they have a higher rate of developing anxiety disorders, depression, Um, they have a higher PTSD, also um, they have a higher chance of uh, dying by suicide. So all that stuff impacted. And so since I have been doing so much work in therapy, I was like, wait, hold up. No, I'm not. I'm sorry that I can't help you. Yeah. And that's really hard to, because my mom is my best friend. So it was really hard to tell my mom no. Yeah. But at the same time, I value my peace and I've worked so, excuse my French, I worked so damn hard on getting to a place of having peace and harmony in my life that I refuse to let somebody as dear that I love and respect as my mom to disrupt that. And it wasn't necessarily going to be her that disrupted that, right. but it was going to be my sibling's dad or right. my significant other. So therefore, I had to make the decision and say, no, I can't do it. Right. So in therapy, um, two of my like favorite treatment goals, I mean, they are like my favorite treatment goals, but they're like the foundation. One is to develop an emotional sense of felt safety in your immediate environment and community. Okay, and you mentioned when your dad is around, you do not wait. Feel my sibling's dad. Safe. Your sibling's dad <laughs> is around. Uh, you do not feel safe, right? Mm-hmm. So your sense of safety. So that is why boundaries are important because they're helping you with your sense of safety. Mm-hmm. And if they're violated, you're not going to feel safe. Mm-hmm. So how much can you really function? How much can you really thrive if you're in acute crisis, right? Right, Because your body will tense up, your energy starts shifting, you start showing up and interacting with people differently Mm -hmm. if you're in this, um, if you're perceiving threat. Right. Another uh, goal that I will set up with my clients is to, um, you know, increasing their capacity to develop distress or you know tolerate stress Mm -hmm. so it really it's about coping strategies developing coping strategies that is going to require that you set some boundaries so all of this is really uh to protect you in in many ways and emotionally speaking mentally Mm -hmm. um energetically you know I'm sure you, when you are probably in certain tense spaces and you're around certain people, you you, you feel that. They are like, mm, no, no, no. I can't. So you got to guard that. Yes, it's so true. So, like, I remember when my little brother, he was had, he had surgery. Yeah. And so I happened to be in New Jersey and he was like, are you going to come and see me? Yeah. And so he was like, uh, my dad isn't here because it's their dad. So he's like, my dad isn't here. And I was like. I was teetering, but then I was like, okay, yeah, I'm going to come. And my brother, I didn't go inside my mom's house, but I, we were, like, sitting outside on the porch. And so I literally, while my brother was sitting there and his dad wasn't there, the entire time my anxiety was through the roof. My stomach was hurting. Yeah, I was right. like, I was like, oh, my gosh, I was, like, fidgeting because, like, I didn't know, like, when he was going to come back because right. literally when I see him, you know, the whole flight, fright, I mean, freeze, right? Yes, I literally, I freeze. Yeah. 
So because it like takes me back to that traumatic place of the things of the things that I experienced as a child. So I like get really stuck and I don't like that feeling. So it's like a form of protection. So now it's like now I don't even do that. Now I just sit in the car. I'm like, if y'all want to see me, y'all gotta get in the car. Cause yeah. this this at least I mean, I'm I feel safe in my car. So it's when you think of terms and and that's why I think of when I think of boundaries, ultimately to me it goes back to self-care. Right. Self-care and self-love. Mm-hmm. Which self-preservation. Is why, yeah, which is why you have to do that inner work because you have to, first of all, know that you're worthy of that and know that it's okay to do that and to invest in yourself in that way because that's what you're doing. You're pouring into yourself. You're investing in yourself. Um, there's a quote that I've always, that I've seen and, you know, as I did my own work at some point, that was an area I had to address in my life is, you know, the only people that are going to have an issue with you setting boundaries are the ones that benefited from you not having them. Mm. Okay. Girl, that's a word. Okay. Lunatic. <laughs> so I have three rules of engagement that I set up with my clients. So just to give you, I am a therapist and I also do coaching. And because I work kind of on like the different ends of the structure. In therapy, I work with like um, a lot of trauma, depression, generational trauma, family dynamics. In coaching, I work with like my high achieving women of color, like non-conforming entrepreneurs. They have tended to be the heroes in their family. Mm-hmm. So we'll definitely talk about roles, mm-hmm. right? Because what roles have you adopted and how have you been conditioned? And so three rules of engagement that I always ask my clients to look at when they're examining their social environments, how they relate to people are, number one, openness. Is there a sense of openness? Um, Two, is there a sense of curiosity or judgment? Mm -hmm. Um, Three, is there reciprocity? Mm -hmm. Now, number three is key because whenever we get to reciprocity, that is usually when my clients are coming back to me and are being like, you know what, Yesenia, I'm realizing this person was always draining my energy. This person was always like taking from me and, you know, whether it's therapy or coaching, whatever, physically, emotionally, mentally, there's no reciprocity. Mm-hmm. So that's just like, okay, it sounds like it's time to reshift, renegotiate the dynamics of this relationship and set some boundaries. And so if there's problems, uh, we'll talk about the barriers, right? So roles, like what have you adopted? Um, and so lots of times uh, we got to talk about the ego, right? So like if your sense of worthiness, if your sense of like your identity has been around being the strong woman, the go-to person, the hero, the one that will drop everything and be right there in a, in a quickness to be there for you. I mean, do they have boundaries, right? So this also, we got to kind of do that inner work around challenging the ego too. And there may be some codependency because now you're basing off your worth on productivity too, on what you do for other people. So another thing I want y'all to think about is um, doing versus being. Ooh. Okay. Are you, do you, I ask my clients, who are you? And they're like, no. And it's like, well, I do this, I do that. Like, no, 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 that's what you do. Yes. Who are you? Uh Who is the essence of you? Mm -hmm. Who are you at your core? Mm -hmm. And this part is so hard to do 
because we've been conditioned yes. to believe that we have to attach our identity to our accolades, to our titles, to what we do for people. Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, I, I work with, um, you know, POC first-gen communities. Mm-hmm. And for many of them, they are taught you got to be there. You got to set the example. You got to pave the way. You know, you're thinking about mm-hmm. your ancestors, got to make them proud. So much that you have to do that you don't know how to rest and find peace and just be being at ease. So that's another barrier to setting boundaries. Um, another one is, you know, witnessing, as you mentioned, abuse. If you have been growing up and you've been witnessing and you're in a home where there are no boundaries, it's going to be hard for you to set them on your own mm-hmm. if you've never been taught mm-hmm. to do that and it's never been modeled. Um, and so that's important to think of what are boundaries? How were they modeled? Were they modeled? Were they violated? Right? Because that's another thing. If they've been, uh, if they're a survivor of abuse and they've been manipulated and conditioned to think that, well, you would do this if you love me. So that then becomes another way in which they relate to other people and thinking that they don't, that they can't set boundaries. And so then they're operating from that space of fear. It's like, the thing is, it's when people think of boundaries, they think of it as being like, this simple thing, but when you think about it, it's so deep. It's so deep, it's so layered. Yes, and so when you think about people setting boundaries and people uh, not wanting to respect those boundaries, but then when you, going back to what you said about, you know, who are you, when you're thinking about the roles that you adopted. So last week, um, the podcast episode was on intentional living and who are you? And so I was like, what I had to do was I sat with myself and I asked, I was like, Takiya, who are you? And I was like, we're not talking about the degrees. We're not talking about being an entrepreneur. We're not talking about any of that. But you get to the core, who are you? And I sat with myself and I came up with, and I was like, I am inspiration. And I was like, what does that mean? And so then I said, well, what is inspiration? I said, well, no matter what I'm doing, whether it's personally or professionally, when people leave my presence, they always talk about how they feel inspired to be a better person, no matter what what it is. And so because part of that is because also Tony said, yes, there's so much pressure of society or to be this image we see online. And it's like, well, yeah, because when we go to like when we go to places like a networking event or even if you're just in the coffee shop, it's like, hi, the first thing, what do you do? It's yes. not who are you. Yes. No, you don't want to know about my favorite color because essentially, I was saying what people tend to say is when you ask somebody what do they do, yeah. it's a translation. What you're doing is I am determining how much respect I'm going to give you based upon what you say you do. Right. Right. It's so worthiness. Right. Mm-hmm. We're trying to qualify people all the time. And I have to say, like, we're in the DMV area, right? Mm-hmm. I feel like in the DMV area, and I just moved back, y'all, from the state of Washington, which was, like, zen and grounding. And it was until I went there that I realized, 
oh, wow, it's really kind of a bit of a rat race in the DMV area. Now, my point of reference was always New York, so I was always like, yo, we balance in the DMV area. Right. No, but in the DMV area, it's very much about networking events, who you know, who are you, what do you do? Right. And based on what do you do, what connections and what can I get from you and how will you help me elevate professionally, right? So there is that pressure. Especially because nation's capital mm-hmm. mostly people who live in this area they work for the government right or are not from here and came specifically to this area to do something and that's where a lot of my coaching clients are where they they've been these powerhouses high achieving but then what's happening is they're struggling in like the area of their relationships so in terms of boundaries then we have also wicked boundaries mm-hmm. and usually it's where they can't let loose, mm-hmm. let some control. They gotta be like, yeah. right. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's also comes with we have to talk about vulnerability, mm-hmm. right? Because some there's like no boundaries, and then there's some that like set them so much that are overcompensating, are trying to control mm-hmm. because that's making them feel safe, mm-hmm. and because intimacy and vulnerability is perceived as a threat. Now it may be a challenge. Or you may have been violated, been a survivor of trauma, and you're, this is an area where you really struggle. How do you let somebody in and know that you can set healthy boundaries? Mm-hmm. You know, when I, what I think about in terms of, you said, say, for instance, a victim who has, who has been violated, um, they were raped. Now, when you think about that, they have been violated sexually. A boundary has been completely thrown out the window. Oh, yes. So, and someone in that instance, as a result of them being violated, then how does that impact the way that they enter future relationships um, and how they essentially cope if it's something that has never been treated? Yeah. Um... So it varies. I've had some kind of on different sides of the spectrum. I've worked with clients that have become very hypersexualized, that they attach their worthiness and sense of love to like interacting sexually. Mm-hmm. That that became like, okay, well, this is all I have to offer. Mm-hmm. Right? So I'm going to, you know, sleep around and You know, as I kind of reflected and grew more clinically and with maturity, too, in my high school, I realized some of these girls that were like, that I was even, I had slut-shamed, you know, Mm -hmm. had been survivors of sexual trauma. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to think about when we're leaning in with openness and curiosity, right? Instead of just judging, Mm -hmm. let's, okay, well... Help me understand how you came to think, how you came about learning this. Um, another thing that I've experienced is like with domestic violence. And I mean, and that is just so rampant in the community and, and, and the Latino community. It's, I mean, the statistics are scary. Um, I've worked with clients that are like, well, I didn't think it was that bad because. I mean, my dad would break my mom's ribs. So I was just kicked out of the house and I was just isolated. So I didn't think it was that bad. So you have a distorted sense of reality. You do not understand what healthy boundaries are. You don't know what that concept even looks like. So that is another thing that I've seen. And then I've also seen where 
there's just this protectiveness. You become very guarded and are, don't are have a hard time establishing intimacy, mm-hmm. allowing that to you know being open mm-hmm. because you were violated or because the client was violated, right? So it's like no, you know what I was and that happened to me, so I'm gonna protect myself and I'm not gonna open up in this way. Mm-hmm. And again, a lot of the clients that you may, the whole checking on your strong friend, like that's real, mm-hmm. <laughs> that's real. Because it's like, well, why and where did you learn that like you had to take on the weight of the world, right? So roles, Ooh. maybe that's what they were explicitly told, maybe implicitly, maybe what were the family dynamics in their upbringing where they had to take on that role, where they became very parentified and became an adult. Girl, stop reading my life. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> reading my life right now. Okay, so you know it's one of those things that it's like, whoa. So you have to create the space to be willing to explore that and shed some of those layers. Mm-hmm. And you know, I tell my clients, you know, you know, the reason why it feels kind of draining and tiring is because it's work. You are undoing. I'm learning, yes, all while redoing and relearning. And so I tell them, you know, if you think about it, you're like renegotiating with yourself and you're renegotiating with people around you, right? You know, and, and part of um, part of my journey and why I became so passionate about kind of starting with coaching and really diving deep into boundaries is because I was that person once upon a time. Mm-hmm. I was that go-to person. I was that me too. Um you sleep when you die. Yeah, um, that was me too. You know, oh, I'm on the go. I was always team doing the most. Mm-hmm. That was me. And you know, and I had the accolades. I had all these things that people on the outside were like, "Oh, you're like living your best life." And I just felt like this way of living is not sustainable. It's, not, it's so heavy, like anxiety. Right before my attempt, I remember saying to a friend, I was like, I feel like I'm carrying the weight of my entire community on me. And then as I started to go through my healing process, something that I said to myself was that, Takia, you were so busy trying to save the world, you can't even save yourself. Right. How are you going to save everybody and you're not? Right. Absolutely. I had a clinical supervisor at that time. That's her heart. I think, you know, there's different people that are going to be involved in your journey. Mm-hmm. And she was definitely um, one of the ones that helped me, like, bring things to life. Mm-hmm. And will bring things to the forefront of my own awareness as a therapist, right? Because a lot of therapists were really wounded healers. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody has a story. And I remember she looked at me and was like, my God, you were you're the hero child of your family, aren't you? And I was like, what the fuck is? That? And I was like, oh, you mean that chart with the whole dysfunctional family rules, like that shit? And then when I looked at it, it shook me to my core. And you know, we did a lot of parenting education stuff, and we talked about praising your child, your children for being versus doing. But she went. I guess we were doing an evaluation, and she said to me when she first met me. I only see you in this role for one to two years because she saw I was going to outgrow it. And I asked her a question of if I have, if I was doing something, was it that was enough, right? The question, the narrative, the tape that is always playing in the back of your head is, 
am I enough? Am I enough? Am I doing enough? Am I enough? Am I worthy of this? Mm-hmm. And she looks at me and says, when are you going to, when are you going to be, feel great just being, not doing? And that like shook me. And I was like, okay, it's time to do some deeper work because I can only take my clients as far as I'm willing to go myself. Mm-hmm. So the reason why I can talk about this is so deep layers, yes, my professional experience, but also my personal experience is done the work. Because I did the work. Mm -hmm. And I always do the work. And the work is ongoing. So I think something to know is that wherever you are on your journey, know that your work is ongoing, but you have to start. But you have to feel worthy and know that I am worth investing in myself. Because in, in many communities, we think Therapy, that's, that's like a white people thing. That's yeah. not for us. Mm-hmm. Or that's viewed as a luxury. Mm-hmm. And it is a necessity. It is. You go to the doctor to get your annual checkup. Mm-hmm. So it's like, how about commit to having your mental health checkup? Absolutely. So it's the, it's the very same thing. Mm-hmm. And I think about when we talk about boundaries in terms of... Con- you know, we have to, depending on the setting. So the boundaries that we set at work will be different from the boundaries that we may set at home. So can we talk about what's an example of a healthy boundary that you would set at work versus a healthy healthy boundaries that you will set with your significant other or your children? Yeah. Well, I think one, it also depends like, on like the workplace setting, right? Like if you're in the government sector, they're a little bit more stringent on what, how you can present, right? So I think that you definitely want to make sure that in your work setting, that how you relate to people is not going to compromise your work. Mm-hmm. And also not going to like blur the lines between work and personal, mm-hmm. where it can get messy, ultimately, right? I also recognize that like some work settings, you know, the goal is to be more like family oriented, but I think anywhere... Um, it's a system, okay? So is your system open? Do they lean in with curiosity? And how much? Mm-hmm. So I think part of it, you're going to have to gauge and know your environment. What can you do? How much can you say and do? But you certainly, you know, first look at, like, well, what are the practices of the of the space that you're working in? What is the culture like? Mm-hmm. because based on that you're going to kind of have to act accordingly right. mm-hmm. in the sense like I hate to say that but it kind of does vary because is your work setting where you have to dress more conservatively um, you know you certainly kind of want to tone I don't want to say tone down but like what kind of language mm-hmm. do they use who they cater towards but I definitely think in terms of relationships it's certainly important to have some boundaries in your workplace and depending on your workplace, you're going to have to determine to what degree, but you certainly don't want to be able to compromise your work. And I think that... Or your values. And your values, right? Your values. So I think questions to ask yourself are, am I compromising my values by doing this? Will I feel comfortable and at peace, like with my dignity intact, if we're doing something on Friday and they, they see me on Monday, am I going to feel comfortable? If you feel like you got to be second guessing yourself on something that you may have done, or if you feel like you have to be second guessing yourself on how, if you did something at work, if that's going to impact you, mm-hmm. that's definitely something to check and revisit. 
It could be something as simple as like your supervisor knows that you say that you have to leave the office at five o'clock because you're a parent and you have to pick up your child by 5.30. Right. And your supervisor constantly comes to you at 4.30 asking you um, to do something. Yeah. And you have explained to them over and over, like, I have to leave at five o'clock because I have to get my child. So that's something that is very small. But here's the thing. If you begin to compromise that and then start to be like, okay, yeah, I'll do it because it's only going to take me a couple minutes or whatever. Then that is the what you begin to set up and they're going to constantly do it. And then. When you get to the point where you have you like you had enough, now you're gonna have to retract and be like, wait, no, I can't do this. Right. So you know, I think something that you mentioned in the very beginning is you know you gotta teach people how to treat you. So if we're thinking about boundaries as it relates to your workplace, um, you also gotta your values, right? And when we talked, um, as I was mentioning earlier, are you operating at a space of scarcity? Some people may not be able to set boundaries and will take work home because mm-hmm. they want to be seen as a certain person, they want to be promoted, so they don't understand how to set healthy work-life balance. Um, but you should have, you should you have boundaries and know when to turn off and on work? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Is that easier said than done? Absolutely. <laughs> and also some some systems and some workplace settings may not be kind or generous to that. Right. So that's even something else to consider, right? Like I'm not saying quit your job, but what right. I am saying is think about when you're looking for jobs or in a place of employment, is it aligned with your values and yes. can you set boundaries? Right. So some of my clients have recognized that, like, you know what, I can't work, I can't be in this setting because I can't have a healthy work-life balance. Mm-hmm. Or I realize that this job is not aligned with my values, or mm-hmm. because of the the industry that they're in, mm-hmm. boundaries, boundaries what? Right. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, no, it is very true. Like I've thought thought about the time when I was working for a television network and so since I was working in public relations the news don't stop um, TV don't stop so there were times when someone may call me at midnight and not had to answer the phone because there was a crisis yeah so then I found myself, I was starting to get burned out because I was working all the time. I was taking work home. And so it got to the point where it became too much. And so yeah. then it caused me to figure out, I have to reevaluate, one, my values. I have to reevaluate if this work setting is conducive for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and knowing that mental health is a top priority for me, if the job that I'm working at, if it does not give me the opportunity to be mentally healthy and emotionally healthy, then that is not the place for me. Right. And so many people, when you think in terms of that, they sacrifice their mental health because they're like, oh, I got to stay in this job because I got to pay my bills. Yeah. I'm going to stay in the, and I'm going to deal with the the terrible supervisor because yeah. I have bills to pay. I can't yeah. just leave and it's like okay that's fine we all have bills we all have financial responsibilities but then what would be the exit strategy so that you can find a job or a career um or work you know a, a new company 
that will allow you to feel like you have a sense of balance in your life. Yeah, absolutely. So I think, um, you know, the way one of my former coaches said to me is, you know, it's important to develop a life and a strategy around you that is supportive of you. Mm-hmm. So if you know that you like to work out or you need to start your day a certain way, then you want a job or a career that can allow that to happen. Right. And I always get confused because I remember I was talking to this about my, with my therapist and I was like, is it that you want your life to go around your job or your job to go around your life? And it's like your life should always be in the center. And everything else like is working and supporting. Right. And so, but for some people, their job becomes their identity. Yes. It's everything. And so their life, that's why you can get these highly successful people, CEOs and executive, you know, people who serve on the C-suites, they have these very high positions, but they're literally miserable. Yes, absolutely. So I think another thing, um, we have to talk about expectations, right? So Mm -hmm. we talked about teaching other people how to treat you, and, you know, you've got to negotiate terms. Relationships Mm -hmm. are about expectations and Mm -hmm. agreements. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes you're going to have to renegotiate those agreements. Yep. And so also setting realistic expectations. So I think something to ask yourself is, or, you know, by setting this expectation on this person, am I being kind? By setting this expectation on myself, am I being kind? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have a planner and I was like recently like writing, you know, it has you do top priority, priority. And I found myself putting a little too many on top priority and kind of going back and be like, you know what, not everything has to be done right now. Mm-hmm. But also when you're relating to people, you're going to have to voice them. So I think one of the other things that we have to talk about is about advocating for yourself and communicating Ooh. communicating your um, your negotiables and your non-negotiables. Yes. You cannot not communicate your non-negotiables and then become upset at the person for not knowing them and not meeting your expectations. Girl, I'm about to throw my phone. Because <laughs> I, I had a situation with someone like that. Yeah, yeah, like relationships will get really, um, really muddy and um, you won't potentially end the relationships when those expectations aren't communicated. It's like, it's like we'll get mad at somebody for not doing something or for doing something to us that we never even told them. People are not mind readers. Mm -hmm. So you have to communicate what your boundaries are, what you will and will not do, right? Right. Right. Yes, and we also live in like a fairly egocentric society, meaning, you know, we operate from the framework of ourselves. Mm -hmm. So maybe you're thinking like, whatever this example was, like you're expecting somebody to act a certain way, but you're expecting them to act in according to how you would act. Mm-hmm. And each of you come from different walks of life, have different stories, have different narratives, have different expectations. And that was something I had to check myself when I went through my own rebirth journey. Like, oh, I'm expecting everybody to do the most. Mm-hmm. Well, how about I just be more realistic and kind to myself? Right. <laughs> right? So you definitely want to do the inner work, 
um, know, be honest with yourself. What are my values? You know, what do I stand for? Am I being kind to myself? What are my negotiables? What are my non-negotiables? And communicating them. And you want to communicate them early on when you're relating to people. Mm -hmm. yeah. Early on. Absolutely. Like, here's a perfect example. This may be real funny. I mean, it may be, like, really simple and kind of like, but look, everybody loves Chick-fil-A, right? Well, mm -hmm. I don't eat chicken anymore. Sorry to me. But... When I did, everybody loved Chick-fil-A, right? Uh-huh. But Chick-fil-A is closed on Sundays, right? Yes. So if Chick-fil-A is closed on Sunday, and it just so happened, every time I want Chick-fil-A, it's on a Sunday, what do you have to do? You have to wait till Monday, Monday. right? That's something so simple, but essentially, like, when you think in terms of boundaries, that's how it works. Well, and that's how they operate, right? Based mm -hmm. on that value system. Mm -hmm. So it's like... You can be mad at it, or can you can respect it. Right. And so I think going back to, again, like those rules of engagement is the reciprocity, mm -hmm. right? So um, another thing that I have to talk about is energy, mm -hmm. okay? You got to guard your energy, girl. So a lot of, like, my, and, and, you know, this happens so much in, like, people with helping professions, people that tend to be more spiritual, intuitive, they can pick up on energy. And so there is something called an empath. Now, I feel like a lot of people are kind of using and throwing that out a little loosely, but there are people out there that do really are more sensitive and can take on other people's stuff. I am not playing because I am an empath. And so I realized this when I was um I was like getting a tattoo or whatever. No, I was getting one removed. And so the, the, the chick that was doing my my work, I was explaining to her about just what I was feeling. I had seen like there was just one week, um, you know, I was doing a lot of trauma work and, and I mean like severe trauma work. And I also happened to work one in one week with like two cancer patients. Mm -hmm. And my energy was so depleted. Like, I practically fell asleep afterwards. I couldn't stay up. And as I started talking to this person, she was like, girl, you're an empath. And I was like, what? So there's um, Judy Orla, who's an MD, a doctor. Mm -hmm. She actually is a big, really kind of in terms of the pioneer, putting stuff out there. Um, there's activities and workbooks. She, did, she has developed an assessment. And as I did the assessment, I realized, oh, my God, I'm an empath. So what is the empath? People you don't know. You absorb other people's energy and stuff. You take on their stuff. And so a lot of people in the helping professions tend to be empaths. And so as I look back at, like, my upbringing, you know, I used to watch the news with my mom. And I used to or movies. And I always cried. Even recently, like, I would just always cry. And I would say, I can feel their pain. I can literally feel it. And so people around me. So sometimes if people are very heavy and they got a lot of stuff going on, I would sometimes take that on, like, physically. I would mm -hmm. feel it. Mm -hmm. So it's important that when we're thinking about boundaries, also you guarding your energy, sage there's sage people, there's um, palo, palo, um, palo Santo, you want to use that. You really want to be mindful about who you're letting into that space because it's so sacred. Um, with that said, even who you're having that sex with, right? Right. 
some people who may be like really into energy, there are people who do the sage or palo santo or crystals, whatever works for There are other people who are like really like, um, there, for instance, let's speak in terms of Christians. For us, what we may, or other people who, you know, Christians, they may do like, well, I'm pleading the blood of Jesus over everything. I'm praying, you know, I'm going to get some holy oil. Whatever works for you, because I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to tell someone to, you know, if, they, if it's not their thing, like they don't, they don't believe in sage or crystals or whatever. If that's not, if that don't work for you, that's fine. Um, but for some people, it does work for them. But then there are those of us who was like, no, I'm about to, you know, get in my word. I'm going to do whatever works for you. But you really do have to find in terms of like a practice, a practice when you're taking on other people's things. Um, it is truly important that when you are constantly the one that's helping and people coming to you for advice and constantly pulling on you, when those people leave from you, think about in terms of, I'm, I'm not everybody, but there are some of us who have this one person that calls, and you look at the phone, you'd be like, oh, you just like, you like, oh, gosh, they about to, they about to tell me something, and, and I had somebody like that, they don't call me no more as often, thank God, but it would be like, they would call me, and I'll be like, oh, God, she about to tell me, so, she about to tell me something, <laughs> yeah. but at the same time, it's been like, after someone finished dumping on you, then what do you do to cleanse that stuff? Yes. So you have to develop a practice. So for me, uh, it, it, for me, it's an all hands on deck approach. I got my devotional. I'm reading something. <laughs> I'm listening to Sarah James Roberts. I'm looking at a quote. I'm gonna have a, a stone. You have to develop a practice. So I think about, you know, there's venting and there's dumping. Big Ooh. difference. So what's the difference? Oh, oh, you feel it. You feel it when it's venting and dumping. But if you are feeling like you are becoming a pseudo-therapist, it's just never ending. And there's also, again, like no reciprocity. You know you only get that call when stuff is popping off with that friend. They came to dump. Mm-hmm. And and if you try to set boundaries, they may probably say something like, oh, but you know what? You just are so good. At, like, I just always know. Or like, I just prefer to talk to you instead of a therapist. You know, and I am a therapist, and I've had friends that have done that. And I'm like, no, girl, you need to get you a therapist. I love right. you, but I'm, I'm not, not your therapist. therapist. <laughs> yes, I am a therapist, but I'm not your therapist. Also, um, something about, you know, boundaries. I want you to think about before you engage in the world, how are you setting and suiting up your armor? You have to suit up your armor before you engage with the world. And how are you taking it off at the end? How are you unwinding and just letting everything go? So I think that's also something to consider when thinking about, you know, you have to set something when you're out there in the universe, when you're out there in the world. Emotions are what? Spirit is energy. Mm -hmm. People are walking around with stuff. People are hurting. And we see a lot of... um, advocates, change agents, pastors. There was just a pastor that died by suicide last week. You think, you honestly think all that taking on and people perhaps projecting unrealistic expectations, Mm -hmm. maybe they want to take a break, but people maybe not letting them and taking that on. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's so much behind that. We see all these people that are 
founders of movements and leaders, Kate Spade. I mean, just all these influential people, change agents, mm-hmm. that it, it, it becomes too much. So I think you have to guard your energy and you have to protect your space. How are you going to suit yourself up before you get out there? Mm-hmm. And you know, how are you going to take it off? Mm-hmm. And like you said, whatever that looks like, make sure it works for you. Mm-hmm. But it, I do challenge you to think about having a holistic approach. Mm-hmm. It could be you have your therapist, you have your go-to person. Mm-hmm. Um, and for you know, for the people that are Christian, but maybe are like, I don't know about this energy work. There are protocols, and there are like Christian-based energy workers and healers. Mm-hmm. I have one myself mm-hmm. um, where. She will read the Bible, read a verse, but do something that's called EFT tapping, which is a protocol in terms of moving energy. And it's not about, oh, going woo-woo, trauma and emotions get stored. Anxiety, you said it, the gut. Emotions and and things get stuck in the body. I mean, this body keeps the score. Mm -hmm. So much science is coming out about that, but I think more importantly, it's important to, one, do the work to know yourself. Right, because you're going to know when your boundaries are being violated or when you feel like you are taking on too much, you're going to know how it shows up for you. Mm -hmm. For some people, it shows up in different ways. Um, And I think just it's so important to do that inner work and for you to check in with yourself. What do you think in terms of what simple, because boundaries are not simple, but like what could be the first step to setting, to learning to start to set boundaries for yourself and other people? Okay. So I think, um, do I feel, ask yourself, do I feel full or do I feel depleted and empty or heavy? You know, if you do something, you're going to know when afterwards you feel like, oh, you're nourishing my cup, you're filling my cup, or you're speaking a muscle, and you also know when, oh, this is not, and you're feeling heavy about it. So Mm -hmm. ask yourself, am I feeling heavy or am I feeling light about this? Mm -hmm. Am I feeling my soul or am I feeling my ego? Ooh. Okay, that's a rip. I, I got my clients asking about this. Yes. Say that one more time for the people in the back. Okay. <laughs> um, am I feeling my soul or am I feeling my ego? And this came from something that, you know, when I did my own work and developed my framework, I was doing more things, unfortunately, from the ego. I had adopted this role and I was the hero and was always conditioned to think like I have to be the go-to person if you're not that person then who's going to do it and as I was shedding that I'm like I don't want to be I don't want my identity or my sense of self-concept and worth to be related to what who what I do Mm -hmm. so am I feeling my soul or am I feeling my ego Mm -hmm. I want you to look at your work environment (laughs) your relationships activities that you're engaging in even when you're looking at like your clothes right like decluttering a purging process when you're looking at everything around you is this feeling my soul or is this feeling my ego when I think about am I feeling my soul or am I feeling my ego it's like so much comes up for me because a lot of times we may not even know the difference so what would be the difference how would someone know if this is feeling my soul or my ego 
Because then, because what about people who are like, I feel like if it's to a point where it's like making you feel full in the sense of like it's going to your head. Oh, gotcha. Then that's like definitely ego. Yeah. But if you feel like it's filling your cup, your your heart, and your you don't emotions, care what anybody else has to say or think, mm-hmm. like you're at peace with this, then yes, you're filling your soul. So a question to ask is, am I, does this make me happy? I know it's like so simple, but not. When I had left the the you know previous job that like a lot of people were thinking like how could you want to leave this job? People trying to apply for this job. You know, I asked um, a supervisor and I said, um, are you happy? Mm. She could not answer that question. And I knew that that was my time to to you know check out. And as I was kind of shedding some of these layers and identities. You know, I had to have a very tough conversation with my mom. And at one point, I just stopped her and I said, Mom, ask me if I'm happy. You know, like how we relate to people. What are you up to? What are you doing? Ask them, are you happy? Does this make you happy? I mean, I definitely think that's one way. But I think more than anything, do the work. Go to... If you need to go to therapy, go to therapy. If you need to find a coach, find a coach, accountability buddies, friends that are on the same path. Um, Check your tribe. Get your tribe right. Mm. Okay. I've had clients that have literally just like completely changed circles of friends because they realize like I'm not trying to move forward and live my life in the way I was. Mm. They're operating out of scarcity, out of survival, thinking this is all I have. So is your tribe supportive of you? Do they understand your boundaries? Mm-hmm. Are they doing the work? Do they know their triggers? Because you definitely don't want people to project perhaps their stuff. Mm-hmm. So you want to be intentional that when you're thinking about the stuff that you're also in community with other people. Mm-hmm. They can have these conversations that can keep you staying in that space. So really ask yourself, am I feeling my soul? Am I feeling my ego? Another good question, by whose standards? Mm, that's good. By, by whose, whose standards? standards? You know, says who? Like, really, who is qualifying this? Because if you are expecting to be qualified by everybody else's standards, then, yeah, you're perhaps feeling your soul. And whatever spirit, whatever your spiritual walk may look like, you know, whatever you believe in, and I've been doing research on my own path, it's all usually grounded on, like, faith and love, right? So why would you need to qualify yourself if you've already been qualified? Right. Mm-hmm. So in terms of, like, so my, I've been working on, like, regrowing and redeveloping my relationship with God. And redefining it. And redefining what it is for myself. Right. So I have said that, yeah, God qualifies me. So if I believe that God qualifies me, then why does it matter what other people think about me? And it's so interesting because Lisa Nichols could not have said it better. She said, it is none of my business what others think of me. And so it's not like in terms of being arrogant or anything, but it's like if you're constantly worried about what other people think about you, you're going to drive yourself insane 
And then you can't even set those boundaries because you're setting boundaries based off of other people's standards and their expectations. Right. Well, and that's right there, the ego and scarcity. And people think of like ego, like with machismo. No, ego is like the stuff that's under the hood, as I like to call it. The fear, the, the, the under the hood, the dark stuff. Mm-hmm. So yes, if you're constantly doing things and according to what other people say, we got a self-worth, we got a self-issue, mm-hmm. we got an identity issue, we got a, those are the things that we need to now do, mm-hmm. address in therapy or coaching or whatever, what have you. Um, so another thing to think about is, uh, you know, I'm always pretty honest and I found that the more I'm honest and vulnerable about this part of my story, the more people share that with me. I always say I'm a recovering perfectionist and always recovering from, and I'm in recovery from undoing the Catholic guilt. Mm-hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. So growing up, the narrative was always like, it's your duty. Mm-hmm. It's your job. Um, this isn't good or you need to do this or you can go to hell. Mm-hmm. So my relationship, and even though my parents were very much in the church and I was an altar girl and everything, I just always felt so bad about myself. I always felt ashamed and guilty. And I was, and I felt like I don't feel like I'm a bad person, but why do I always feel bad? So my own like fake journey, I had to go on that and come back to it on my own terms. And I would own more spiritual, holistic, and then finding connections and being like, wait a minute. Mm-hmm. This is how it should feel. It should feel light. Mm-hmm. It should feel so nourishing. It shouldn't feel heavy. It shouldn't feel dark. It shouldn't mm-hmm. feel full of guilt and shame. Mm-hmm. So that's where I say, does this fill my soul or does this fill my ego? Is this pouring into me or taking from me? Mm-hmm. Yes, because you're like speaking like that's so true. And one of the things that I had to I had to learn is that when I started setting boundaries, people will start to if they don't if they have a problem with them and if they're not willing to understand why even if they don't even if they don't um, they don't agree with them but they're not willing to understand or like respect them, then that means it's time to reevaluate that person in your life. Do you have to distance yourself or do you have to be like, I can't even have you in my circle anymore? So that is a very um, difficult and very real conversation that you do have to have with yourself. Right. Mm-hmm. So checking in with yourself. Mm-hmm. What's the purpose? So other things that I have my client ask is, well, what do you think the purpose of this relationship is? Mm-hmm. Some of them are like, I was just lonely. Right. So that's that's one issue, right? That they have to, you know, then make some decisions around that. So also, behavior is a form of communication. Point blank, period. Behavior is a form of communication. So I say, you know, tell my clients, you know, what the F? What's the function? What's the function? What's the function of this behavior? Are you always doing the most? Because it's, it's making you feel good about yourself? You, Girl, I literally was just talking about this in therapy today. And my therapist was like, she was like, look at you um, being all going deeper beneath the surface because I was talking about a situation. I was like, you know what? We were talking about people pleasing. And we did, we did an episode on it. But we were talking about how I said, well, 
actually, since you know, uh, you know, people who struggle with people pleasing, I was like, actually, the actions that they're doing for other people is actually selfish. They think, oh, I'm doing all this stuff for all these people, you know, because I'm not saying that they don't love the person or they don't care right. about the person, but when you get to the root of it. I'm doing this because this is how I feel validated, which in terms mean that you were doing a selfish act. Well, you were feeling your ego. Right. Right? That's an example of you feeling your ego in terms of how you're relating to somebody. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I'm going to make it look like it's about you, but it's really about me. And it may be a subconscious thing. People oh, may not, they may not even realize it. And so when I was talking about this in therapy, my therapist was like, Takiya, look at you being all deep. But it was yes. like, she was like, that's so true. And so, that level of awareness of insight. And so, I was like, I have been delivered from people pleasing. So, I don't like even, that's not even my thing anymore. I don't operate like that. I don't function like that. That's when I had to learn that there are people like that in my circle. Oftentimes, they're, they're not aware that they, that this is yeah, you, I'm, I know that I have, you know, you, people who care about you, you may care about the person, I say that you don't, but at the same time, a lot of it is more so rooted in, like, being selfish. And so that's something where I had to be like, you know what, asking yourself, why is this relationship important to me? What's, Do, the, purpose? what's the purpose of this relationship? And so is this relationship draining me? These are all the questions that you have to ask yourself. And I think and one of the things that I have learned about myself is that there are people who are double my age. And we think all the times, this is kind of going off, but we think all the time people who are older than us, they have more knowledge and more wisdom. When that's not necessarily true. I have learned that there are people who are double my age and they are, they are not self-aware. So this is where we got to talk about like the social cultural context, right? And roles and how were they, how were, how did we receive messages, implicit, explicit, right? And also another thing, I don't want to say like, let's not say selfish, but acknowledge that this person is operating out of survival, right? So your vibe attracts your tribe, okay? Mm -hmm. When you want to elevate, please believe the people are going to either meet you there and you're going to notice it. You're gonna, your friends are probably going to be like, you're on the same path. We're trying to do the same thing, too. People will grow together or they will grow apart. Mm -hmm. So also recognizing like there are people that I have had to distance myself from. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not going to take credit for this because my coach imparted this on me. Compassionately disconnect. Okay, because I struggled with that, with the guilt and the shame, being the being the eldest of three, being the go-to, being a therapist, being first generation, like achieving these milestones of graduating high school, um, not being pregnant, college, what have you. Um, you have to compassionately disconnect. Stepping away from somebody and ending a relationship with anybody does not mean it has to be negative. It could just be like, I love you, but I need to love you from afar. And you'd be surprised sometimes these friendships, you will come back to each other when you are on the same mm -hmm. level mm -hmm. and even in intimate relationships. That's what it's like when you're dating. You got it. Once you know this and you've done this inner work, oh, you're going to have these like qualifying and screening questions early mm -hmm. on because you know. Mm -hmm. But 
Absolutely, your vibe attracts your tribe. Another thing that you mentioned in terms about you know, your elders. So we got to, you know, this is why the inner work is so important. When you do that self-work, you got to check in with yourself. How is love shown to me, right? How is love modeled? How were values taught? Where did I get this? You know, there's this notion of you got to respect your elders. And I mean, this is like a whole other episode too, right? I'm like, so what happens when your elder in the church is raping you? Okay. Because that has happened. Even in the church, that I grew up in, I later found that out. And that was something that I had to, I had a really hard time reconciling with. And there's people we put so much power, we've given so much power to certain people that then they don't know how to advocate for themselves. And what do you do if somebody that's elder is violating your boundaries, mm-hmm. physical, emotional, sexual, mm-hmm. you know, so people are people. And the more you know about yourself, the deeper you do your inner work and you have the confidence to say no. You know what? Even though this person is elder, I recognize that we're not on the same page. Mm-hmm. And also with different ages and generations comes different schools of thought. Mm-hmm. You know, the generation like that I was brought up and it was like everything is your duty. You know, my sense of worthiness was really about what I did for the man, what I did for other people, everything was my duty. You know, I will never forget when I was in a group and other women, we were talking about, um, you know, things that we did. And I used to say, you know, oh, yeah, like I cook for my ex, I'll meal prep, or I'll do certain things. And then it becomes like a competition of who does what more, like, like the suffering Olympics, who suffers more, who sacrifices more, who does more. And a lady says, well, I wake up at four in the morning, every morning, and I make tortillas. And we take that on almost as like a badge of honor. So we need to also think about even like racism and systems of power and like sexism, right? That have made us believe that that is what we have to do. Mm -hmm. And it's sad because if you raise women thinking this and then you see these high rates and prevalence of like domestic violence and abuse, they've been conditioned to think this is their worth. This is what they have to do. So you you definitely have to examine the roles, the values, and also where did they come from. But then the beautiful part that people don't realize is you have so much more power than you think that you get to decide. Mm-hmm. Um, there's this um, sermon. It's called Six Ministries of Family. Super deep. <laughs> I mean, you can connect it with different, um, you know, just in terms of attachment and trauma, but even the pastor was saying, you get to decide what you want to take and what you want to leave. Mm-hmm. So, and when you're examining your relationships, what do I want to take from this relationship? What is the purpose? Mm-hmm. Some relationships, they were just meant to be there for that moment. The lesson has been met. The gift has been, you've received the gift. And now it's time to compassionately disconnect. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And recognize that everybody is on a journey and on different paths and different stages and different phases. Yeah, and that's really good. Like, that's something that I had to learn as far as, like, in terms of relationships and boundary setting. Because um, when you think in terms of, like, non-negotiables, mm-hmm. that was when I, you know, communicated that with someone. They were like... So then that's when I knew that when, the, when that was their response, it was more so about them and it was less about me. 
So I think, yeah, but before we go, I need you to share your social media handles, your website, <laughs> all that good stuff. Yeah, yeah. So right now, you know, I sure we're going through some rebranding, but really I'd say go to yesinibialto.com in terms of my webpage, Y-E-S-C-N-I-A-V-I-L-L-A-L-T-A.com. But um, Instagram and Facebook, um, it's at CultivateLove15. Um, I'll definitely be putting out more content and videos um, pertaining to these topics. Um, so, yeah, follow me, and, and I'll definitely be there. Um, also, just before I forget, because <laughs> the way my brain works, some, some resources. A great book is When Hurting You Is Hurting, When Loving You Is Hurting Me, um, uh, Codependent No More. Um, a great YouTube video by Tiffany Dufu, um, who wrote a book, um, Drop the Ball. And also uh, Susie um, Orloff's Empathy uh, Survival Guide. All right, y'all. So that wraps up another episode of the Fireflies Unite podcast. I hope that y'all had y'all pens and paper together or your cell phone, your iPad, whatever you needed to take down them notes because gems were definitely dropped in the interview with Yesenia. I was like about to throw my phone so many times because I was like, girl, you are reading me or you just speaking the truth. So I truly enjoyed this topic. Let me know what you guys thought about it on social media. Shoot me an email at kia at fireflyesunite.com and you can let me know what your thoughts were about this episode. Go ahead and leave that review on Apple Podcasts for a sister or leave it on SoundCloud or the Facebook page and let me know what you thought about this episode, what you took away from it, how you're going to apply it to your life. That's the most important thing because we can listen to the podcast episode, but if we're not actually putting things into action, then what good is that? So y'all, please let me know. You all have a blessed week. I'll talk to you next week and thank you so much for listening. I hope that you obtain tools and resources from the Fireflies Unite podcast to help you manage your mental health, but please do not use it as a substitute for a relationship with a licensed therapist or psychiatrist. Let's continue the conversation by following me on Fireflies Pod on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.